Chapter One of the Convict. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Convict by G. P. R. James. Chapter One. It may be very well in most cases to plunge, according to the rule of the Latin poet, into the middle of things it may be very well even according to the recommendation of count antoine hamilton to begin with the beginning but there are other cases where there may be antecedents to the actual story which require to be known before the tale itself is rightly comprehended with this view then i will give one short scene not strictly attached to that which is to follow ere i proceed with my history in a small high room of the oldest part of st john's college cambridge in a warm and glowing day of the early spring and at about seven o'clock in the morning there sat a young man with his cheek leaning on his hand and his eyes fixed upon the page of an open book there were many others closed and unclosed upon the table around him as well as various pieces of paper traced with every sort of curious figure which geometrical science ever discovered or measured the page too on which his eyes were bent was well nigh as full of ciphers as of words and it was evident from everything around that the studies of the tenant of that chamber were of a very abstruse character and yet to gaze at him as he sits there and to consider attentively the lines of the face and the development of the organs of the head the physiognomist or phrenologist would at once pronounce that although by no means wanting in any of the powers of mind that young man was by nature disposed to seek the pleasures of imagination rather than the dry and less exciting though more satisfactory results of science there were some slight indications too about his room of such tastes and propensities in a wine-glass half filled with water were some early flowers so arranged that every hue gained additional beauty from that with which it was contrasted a flute and some music lay upon a distant table one window which looked towards the gardens and through which came the song of birds and the fragrant breath of the fresh fields was thrown wide open while another which looked towards courts and buildings was closed and had the curtains drawn nevertheless had any eye watched him since he rose it would have found that from the hour of five he had remained intent upon the problems before him suffering not a thought to wander neither rising from the table nor turning his eyes even for a moment to the worshipped beauty of external nature the air came in gently from without and fanned his cheek and waved the curls of his dark hair the smell of the flowers was wafted to the scents the song of the bird sounded melodious in his ear but not the breeze nor the odour nor the lay called off his attention from the dry and heavy task before him his cheek was pale with thought his fine eyes looked oppressed with study though still bright and the broad expansive brow ached with the weary labours of many a day and night labours to which he saw no end from which he hardly hoped to obtain any very great result tall and manly in person with limbs apparently formed for robust exercises 
and a mind fitted for the enjoyment of every refined and graceful pleasure, he had chained down the body, and, I may almost add, the spirit, to the hard captivity of intense study, in the hope some day of making himself a great name, and recovering from the grasp of fortune that wealth and station which had been the inheritance of his ancestors. Still he felt weary and sick at heart, still hopeless despondency would hold him enthralled, and though with an unflinching perseverance, for many a long year he had pursued the same weary round. He felt that he was fitted for other things, and regretted that the energies of his nature were doomed to struggle with objects the most repulsive to his tastes. There was a knock at the door, not a light and timid tap, but strong and familiar. Without raising his eyes, however, he said, "'Come in!' and the next instant a gentleman entered, in a black gown and cap. He was an elderly man, with a somewhat florid and jovial, but upon the whole benevolent, countenance. His forehead was high and very broad over the brows, and there were lines of thought upon it, which mingled somewhat curiously with the cheerful and almost jocular expression of the lips and eyes. Indeed, he was a man of great eminence in science and in literature, who, having in early life conquered all the difficulties of very arduous pursuits, found no longer any trouble in those tasks which would have startled or overpowered many another man, and who consequently walked lightly under burdens which had become familiar, and which had in reality no weight for him, because he had become accustomed to bear them. "'Well, Edward,' he said, the young man was a distant relation of his own. Still poring and plodding, my dear lad, you must not carry this too far. You have already done much, very much, and you must take some thought of health. The young man rose with a faint smile and placed a chair for his old relation. I have both your example and your precept, my dear sir, he replied, for pursuing the course before me without relaxation. You told me some four years ago that before you were as old as I was then, you had taken high honours at this university. I could only do so last year, and you have often said that unremitting study in youth is the only means of winning a title in after years to repose and enjoyment. Besides, I must study hard to recover lost time, and to fit myself for the course before me. True, true, very true, rejoined the elder man. "'but you have studied hard for nearly six years now. "'There was the great fault. "'You did not begin early enough. "'Your father should have sent you here full two years before you came. "'Let me see. "'You are now six and twenty, "'and for any man destined to fight his way in one of the learned professions, "'it is never too early to begin to labour. "'But neither my poor father nor myself,' replied the young gentleman, were at all aware that I should ever have, as you so justly call it, to fight my way in one of the learned professions. I was then the heir of six or seven thousand a year. I have now only the income of a fellowship, and that I could not have obtained had I not been supported here by your bounty. "'Say nothing of that, Edward,' replied the other. "'Neither let us look back. You have done enough for the present. You have distinguished yourself here.' After the long vacation, you will be called to the bar, and eminence, doubtless, is before you. But still there are a few hard steps to be taken, 
which requires strength of body as well as powers of mind and in your case both mind and body will suffer if you pursue this course any further come i have something to propose which i think will be gratifying to you and which i know will be good for you the friends of a young nobleman whose father i knew well have written to request that i would recommend to them some competent person to accompany their relation upon a short tour which he is about immediately to make upon the continent the terms they propose are very liberal the expedition will be a pleasant one and if you choose to undertake the task it will refresh and invigorate you both mentally and corporeally the young man will be of age in the autumn and will return about the very time when you are to be called to the bar the connection is a very good one and few men get on in life without powerful friends by both information and character you are fitted to do justice to the trust reposed in you and my advice is to accept the offer without hesitation you know i would not recommend anything to you without due consideration of all the circumstances the young man paused thoughtfully ere he replied the temptation was too strong to be resisted at the time when all his prospects in life were blighted he had been preparing to set out with all the resources of wealth at his command upon such a tour as that in which he was now desired to share very different were the circumstances it is true but still the pleasures which he had then anticipated had naught to do with wealth except as a means he had formed no schemes of display of luxury or splendour he had only thought of visiting scenes rich in natural beauty and historic recollections of treading where great men had trod of dwelling for a time where great deeds had been performed of seeing the face of earth in its most beautiful and its grandest aspects and all that was now before him but yet there was a certain repugnance to the idea of dependence to the thought of linking himself even for a time to a being whose character conduct and views he knew nothing and his first reply was doubtful who is this young lord my dear sir he asked i should be very willing to go as you judge it right for to say the truth i am very weary of this life which only the strong impulse of necessity has made me follow but you can easily conceive i should not like the task of guiding every young man through europe and he added with a melancholy smile i am not fitted for bear leading as you know and in this world there are many bears in high places true replied his relation with a slightly sarcastic smile and a touch of that unextinguishable jealousy which exists between st john's and another great college true we see that every day at trinity but this young man is not a bear nor a bear's cub or at all events he is well licked it is young lord hadley whom you must have seen oh i know him well replied the student with a well-satisfied look though not perfection he is very much better than most young men of the present day a little rash a little given to dissipation perhaps but right at heart kind and well-feeling too easily led but yet i do believe always preferring right to wrong as to rashness replied his companion you are rash enough ned yourself and as to his being easily led that will be an advantage while he is with you you have that decision of character which he wants and will i am sure have the power to restrain his habits of dissipation and supply that firmness for the time at least 
of which he is destitute i can see by your face that you are willing to undertake the task and therefore i shall write in that sense thus saying he was turning towards the door but he stopped after taking a step or two and coming back to the table laid down upon it a piece of paper which with one of those curious tricks whereof most men have some he had been twisting first round one finger and then round another during the whole time that the conversation lasted you will want a supply for your preparations my dear lad he said there is a cheque for a couple of hundred pounds you can repay me when you are a judge indeed i do not want it answered the other with a slight glow coming into his face i have quite enough Pooh, nonsense said the old man if you have enough without it buy oranges with it and without waiting for farther discussion he left the room End of chapter one